Lots of ground to cover. So today's daf is daf Lamed Zayin, page 37, in the Heilig Meseches Ksubis. And we're going to pick up from the very bottom of Lamed Vav Amud Beis, the bottom line, Rami Lei Rav Papa Bar Shmuel Lirab Yosef. All right, we're on the very, very bottom line. Last words on the daf of Lamed Vav Amud Beis. And let's remember that uh, earlier up on this Amud, in the middle of Lamed Vav Amud we had a Mishnah, and in the Mishnah, we, we quoted the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says that if, if you have a woman who was taken in captivity and then redeemed, she retains her status of being Tahar. And since she retains her status of being Tahar, that means she's a Besula. And since she still has the status of being a Besula, being a virgin, she's going to receive a Knas, or the father's going to receive the fine, if somebody is ma'anis or mefateher. That was Rabbi Yehuda's uh, opinion. Then the Gemara said, Rabbi Yechanan, this was the beginning of the Gemara, okay, just uh, repeating it. Rabbi Yechanan tells us that Rav Dosa agrees with Rabbi Yehuda in that regard. Rav Dosa agrees that a woman who's redeemed retains her status of holiness. And now we're going to question that. So here we go. Rami Leir of Papa Bar Shmuel, of Yosef, of Papa the son of Shmuel, Asked a question of contradiction to Rabbi Yosef. Let's get into this. Let's turn to the top of today's daf. Lamed Zayin Amar Aleph. What does our Mishnah mean when it says that a woman who's redeemed from captivity retains her status of purity and is considered a besula? Is that really true? If you have a giyiris, a woman who converts to Judaism, and then. She sees dam. After going to the mikvah, there's a discharge of, of uh, dam, of blood. Rabbi Yudah says, Daya You know, he says, listen, the bottom line is that she was already Jewish at that time. Now remember, the laws of Nida only apply to a Jewish woman, does not apply to a non-Jewish woman. Okay, they don't take on that status of, of uh, Tumah. So he says, listen, if she saw it once she became Jewish, so Dayashaiti, look at what we have in front of us, and we say that that, those, that dam, those bloods, are bloods of Tumah. Not only do we say that from here on forth, anything that she touches, or, you know, back then, the laws of Nida didn't only apply to relationships, it applied to anything that one touched, when people were kept in a status of purity, you had to make sure that it didn't become Tomei. Otherwise, you know, there were various halachas when it pertained to Kohanim, when it pertained to the Beis HaMikdash. So Yossi has a fascinating chiddush here. And this is what Rebbe says. Rebbe says, she's, since she's now Jewish, she's like anybody else. In the same way, by a Jewish woman, there's a halacha that as soon as she sees dam, we have to, we go back retroactively for 24 hours and assume that there may have already been dam tame there that she just didn't notice. And therefore, anything that she's touched for the last 24 hours is going to be tame as well, says Rabbi Yossi. Even this woman who converts at 1 p.m. and then sees Dam at 3 p.m., she's like anybody else. And for the previous 24 hours, anything that she touched became Tame. Now, another way for this to happen, less than 24 hours, what if she, didn't, she, she did a Badiq? What if she checked um, to make sure, she did a checking to make sure there was no Dam two hours ago? Then it'll work from two hours ago. You don't need to go back a full, uh, a full 24 hours. Now, Says the Brisa Vaiter, the Brisa continues and says, A woman who converts to Judaism also needs to wait three months before getting married. Why? We want to make sure that there's no pregnancy. 
from the time that she wasn't Jewish. Divrei Rebbe Yehuda. This is the opinion of Rebbe Yehuda. Okay. Now you might say, what's the difference? What's the difference? Why do you got to Why do you got to wait three months? Even if she did, uh, you know, even if she did conceive before she converted, the bottom line is she gave birth as a Jew. So uh, Rashi explains there's a number of halachas where it does matter whether or not the child was conceived to a mother who at the time was Jewish or non-Jewish. Okay, let's keep going. Rabbi Yaisi says, She can get married immediately. Now, she shouldn't move in with her husband immediately, but you could do Erisin immediately. So Rabbi Yehuda says, you got to wait three months. Why do you need to wait three months? There's a concern. She might be pregnant. How do you become pregnant? By a man having relations with her. So I don't understand. If Rabbi Yehuda is concerned, that in general we're concerned that, that if a, a woman's around non-Jewish men, she's, that, that there's a, she may have become pregnant, why in the Mishnah does he say that a woman taken in captivity by non-Jews retains her status of purity? We should say that she does not retain her status of purity. Maybe there's an automatic assumption that, that uh, somebody had relations with her. Amalei, Rabbi Yehuda responds, he says, no, that's not a contradiction. You're asking about a, a contradiction from the case of a, of a woman who converts to a case of a woman who's taken in captivity? No, let me tell you something. A Giyaris knows when a woman's converting to Judaism, she knows she's not yet Jewish, and she's not yet Jewish, so she doesn't need to have necessarily the same standards. However, Shavuya, a Jewish woman who's taken into captivity, she's already a Yid. She's a, she's a, she's a Jew all, all along. She knows what she needs to be careful about, and therefore, Menachra Nafsha, she will be careful with herself. She'll be careful, and therefore, there's less concern of her being violated, and she retains her status of purity. Okay, says the Gemara, the Rami Shvuya Ashvuya. We're still going to ask a contradiction in Rebuta's opinion between, between two Shvuyas. Okay, between one halacha stated by a captive and another halacha stated by a captive. They were, they converted or were redeemed or released. When they were older than three years old in a day, the halacha is, they need to wait three months before marrying. This opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yaisi says, no. You could have Arison, uh you, you could have Arison and Nisuin right away. Okay. So over here again, you see Rabbi Yehuda is concerned about a woman in captivity uh, having relations done with them. Why? Because he says he gotta wait three months. So make up your mind. In our Mishnah, he says she's in a state of purity, there's no concern. Over here, a woman who's coming out of captivity needs to wait three months. Why do you gotta wait three months? Answers the Gemara, Ishtik. Rabbi Yasif was quiet. He didn't have an answer. Omar lay, and then he said, telling us first he wait, he thought to figure this out, and then he said, No, do you have an answer? Can you answer your own question? Omar lay, sir, Papa said, Yeah, I have a good question, but I also know the answer. We're dealing, you know where we say that she needs to wait three months? When while she was in captivity, people say they saw, a, they saw one of the captors having relations with her. But if you actually, if you didn't actually see that, then 
then uh, the halacha would be she remains in her state of purity. Says the Gemara, Well, if it's Ru'iya Shinevala, if we saw uh, uh, one of the captors having relations with her, what's Rabbi Yaisi's reason who says she can marry right away? You should have to wait three months. That women have ways to make sure well, the birth control aspect of it, where she can use a maich, a um, you know some sort of protection, some sort of cloth, to make sure that she does not have a child. And therefore, he says that's enough of a chazaka to say that she would do this. To now say that even if you saw one of the captors. Um, being Mizana with her, she still doesn't need to wait three months. There's still no concern of, preg- of pregnancy. The woman um, w- has a chazaka of protecting herself. Says the Gemara, Bishlam Giyaris, it makes sense by a Giyaris that we're saying m- over here, we're going to say logic that you don't need to wait three months. Kivan to die to la because since she knows, you know, conversion is, is a long process. Since she's on her way to conversion, she'll be careful. She knows part of converting is to make sure that you're not uh, you're not pregnant with a child. You're not you know you're not that uh, she hasn't conceived leading up to her uh, potential conversion. Shvuyanami by Shvuya as well. She doesn't know exactly where she's headed. Okay, what do you mean she doesn't know where she's headed? Meaning she's hoping. That if somebody takes her in captivity, very often they knew that if they had a Jewish captive, a Jewish community would uh, redeem that captive for good money. All right? And therefore, she always has this hope and this concern that she'll be sold back to Yidin. And she makes sure to protect herself at any day. I can might show up the Jewish community. All right? Shivchanami. And, uh, and uh, Shivcha uh, Kanani says, well, she can marry right away. Deshama mi pimara. Because, you know, it's not, usually the, the owners don't surprise the Shifcha Kananis with freedom. They let them know, leading up to their freedom, that it's happening. So she'll also be careful to not conceive. But what happens if you have an, a Shifcha Kananis, who we know, a Shifcha Kananis, if you have a Jewish owner and the, 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 he knocks out a, a tooth or blinds her in the eye, so the, she goes out right away automatically. There, there's no warning. My Meimar. Why would why would we paskin? She can marry right away. She hasn't been careful up until now. She didn't know. She didn't know that her tooth is about to get knocked out. And boom! All of a sudden, her tooth gets knocked out, and she's free. Why over there are we allowing her to marry right away? you're going to say that maybe Rabbi Yaisi didn't say that a shivcha can remarry in such a circumstance. Maybe by Shein Va'ayin, actually Rabbi Yaisi will hold, you do need to wait three months. That's not true. When you have a woman who's violated or seduced, the Mamela, that's happening against her will. She, she doesn't know that this is, she doesn't know what's happening. They, and this is going to happen. She has no time to plan for this. Vitanya, and still we learned that Rabbi Yisai knew some of the three chazan You still need to wait. You, I'm sorry, you need to wait three months according to Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yisai matir the yarsh miyat, and it's unplanned, and you still do not need to wait three months. So you see, Rabbi Yisai allows a woman even who had no clue that her freedom was coming up to marry immediately. Okay, so what's going on over here? What's the svara? What's the logic? Elam Rabba. Rather, Rabbi says, You're right, at the time of the actual, sorry about the background music, uh, the, uh, at the time of the actual relations, 
um, she may not be, uh, prepare herself, but afterwards she she could be misapechas. So apparently, there was a a physical position they could put themselves into to really um, limit their ability in uh, in becoming pregnant, and that would be what Rabbi Yaisi is relying on over here. The idach. Okay, what about Rabbi Yehuda? Rabbi Yehuda says you always need to wait three months. I, why do you need to wait three months? Why don't we say women will use any sort of, uh, of pregnancy protection that's available to them? Says the Gemara, You're right, there is a possibility, but it's not 100%. It works a little, you know, it works to some extent, he agrees, but then not fully. And therefore, it's not enough protection. Hence, we're going to say, you've got to wait three months before marrying. Givaldic, two dots. We're now four lines before the lines get wide on Lamed Zayin, Amud Aleph. Here we go, back to our Mishnah. Our Mishnah said, If there's not going to be any sort of death, then he will receive his punishment. What's his punishment? Money. If there's no Chi of Misa, if there's not a capital punishment, he's going to have to pay for financial damages. Okay. Says the Gemara, Gemara, do we know this halacha from that pasuk? I have a different pasuk to learn this out from. nafka. We have a different pasuk to learn this out from. It's state and pasuk. According to his witness, according to his wickedness. Read that again. All right. So you learn that from Kedai You only receive. One punishment. Why do you got to tell me Kimli Bidrabamine is when it comes to Misa and Mamon is learned out from Veloya also in Anish Yanish? Bezdin can only carry out one one consequence. Answers the Gemara. The Gemara responds. Gavaldic says the Gemara, Chada Bemisa of a moment. One Pasuk. Teaching me Kimla Bidrama, you only receive one punishment. That's dealing by by when you're obligated in death and you're obligated in money. That's what the Pasuk we just quoted of Velaya Asain And the other Pasuk of Kedevrishai, according to his wickedness, that's speaking to a case of Malkus and Mammon and letting us know that you only get one punishment in that case as well. So we have one source by Misa and Mammon telling me you only get Misa. And one pasuk by Malchus and Mammon. Okay. Says the Gemara, Tzricha. Utzricha. And I need two sources. Why? One by Misa and one by Malchus. Diashmina Misa Mammon. If we would have only said the pasuk of Veloya Asan Anesh Anesh, Bisham Deiki Ibn Najama. I would say, listen, over there, there's like capital punishment. When there's capital punishment that's so severe, I'll say, you know what? We'll kill you, but you're not going to have to pay. One punishment because you're getting such a severe other one. Have a Malkus umamun. When it comes to receiving Malkus lashes and money, the lucky even neshama emalai. It's a little closer, right? One doesn't certainly like outweigh the other. Biashvina Malkus umamun. If they would have only taught me kimei bedramine by lashes and money, mishum loy chamer yisura. I would say, you know, maybe only give you one punishment, one consequence, because if it's Malkus umamun, you didn't do something so severe. Right, it wasn't like something huge, um, and therefore it will give you, you know, let you off the hook on one punishment. the where you did a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. I would say 
that even though you're getting a terrible consequence, we, we throw the whole book at you. And you got to pay the other one as well. Therefore, Tzricha, I need both Psukim. Each one has its own Chiddush. Uler of Meir, Dama, Leik Masham, according to Rav Meir, who says there's no Kimle, but by Malkus and Maman, he says you actually do get both punishments. So, Tarti Lamali, what are these two punishments for? Because he agrees with Kimle, but in principle. He just says, by Malkus and Maman, you're going to get both. So, Gemara says, Chada Bamisa Umaman, the Pazig of Valaya also, Nandishani, Shrefiyon, Timisa Maman, Tapa Mabez, Chada Bamisa Umalkus. Another Pazig of Kadeirishosai is dealing with death and Malkus. When there's Misa and Malkus, that's where we say, Kimli Bedramine, and according to Rav Meir as well, Tricha, I'm going to need two sources. The Ashmina Miso Mamen, if they would have only taught us about Misa and Mamen, Misham, the Chadu Begufei, Bechadu Mani, Layabdinan, I would say like this. You know, where one punishment is done to his body, Misa, and the other punishment is done to his uh, bank account, all right? Um, then we'll say you only get one punishment, because it's two completely different consequences. It's, it's affecting different things. Capital punishment and lashes, they're both happening to his body. I'll say it's really all one thing. And therefore, just do Misa's like an extended lash. And therefore, um, and, and therefore do both. Do both. Do Malkus, and then finish it off with a Misa. I would say maybe the, the, the logic over there is you don't give two consequences to his body. Once to his body and once to his bank account. Therefore, I need both sources. Okay. So in either opinion, we, are, we now know that we have two sources letting us in on the overarching idea of Kimle Bidrabine. Okay. Says the Gemara. The Pasuk tells us, You should not pay for the nefesh, for the spirit or the soul of the killer. Okay, now, this Pasuk is letting us, it seems to be, that if, it seems to tell us that if somebody's high of Misa, we're not going to touch his bank account. Okay, in other words, we're, we're not gonna, he's not going to be obligated in money. Like we don't take a payment, monetary payment of atonement, if a guy is going to be killed. Fine. So the Gemara says a simple question, and that is, don't we know this already? According to our Suga that we've been learning, we know there's no Misa and Mamon. So why does the Pasuk now say, there's no monetary payment when you have Misa? I know that already. Why is this Pasuk needed? The Gemara says, because the Torah says, don't, don't let him, you cannot allow him to pay his way out. All right? Meaning, you can't say, oh, pay enough money as an atonement, and then you're not going to get Misa. Fine. Now, what would be the Svara? So we're going to see later that perhaps we want to really refrain from Misa. And in some way, shape, or form, use money, remove it from him, and call that some element of Misa. Okay? Now, we do have this concept by, um, you know, when uh, the Medrash tells us, um, when uh, Esau sent his son to kill Yaakov Avinu, and he came, he says, listen, I have the Mitzvah Kibbutz Yaakov Avinu gave him everything that he had. He said, eh, 
Ani Chashuv Kames. Yeah, Ani Chashuv Kames. He said, you have this concept. This is Gemara, you know, I would have thought, maybe you should take money instead of Misa. So the Chiddush, so the Torah lets us know, no, V'loi Sichu Kai for the Nefesh Ratzayach. It's not the way it works. Okay. Do not take money of atonement. Somebody's chayiv to go to our ear mikla when he kills unintentionally. Why need a pasuk about somebody who's obligated in capital punishment that he can't pay his way out, and somebody who's obligated to go to gulas he can't pay his way out? Why do I need? Why do I need to teach me in those two separate circumstances? Let me learn one out from the other. Our answers, because we know that when you kill unintentionally, when you go to near Mikla, you killed unintentionally. It was Bishagig. In the other case, you did it Bemezid. Okay, so now we know the difference. Let's explain why that difference would have practical, um, why that difference would make a practical nafkamina as to what I would have thought if not about paying for money, if not for these psukim. So here we go. If they would have only said by Mezid, somebody kills intentionally, you can't take money as, as atonement. You did something terrible, 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 terrible. You can't, money is not going to do anything for you. I would say, you know what, maybe we should accept monetary payment, um, you know, as an atonement for him. And if they would have only told us, you cannot take a payment. I would say, because... There was, uh, there's no capital punishment for the guy. And since there's no capital punishment, he's still alive. He just has to go to an ear miklat. So it's not so severe, we'll call it. He's still going to be alive. So we'll give you that punishment. Um, when somebody kills intentionally, where your mom is, I mean, we're going to take this Jewish soul out of the world. I would say we want to, you know, uh, allow the payment to take the place of the Ibn Neshama. So I would have thought, the Pasuk lets me know, otherwise, Gavaldik. All right, let's keep going with Psukim. And there will not be a kapara for all the blood spilled in it, except for the one who murdered. How do we know? What happens is like this if you find a dead guy in between two cities, and so this end of Parsha Shoftim. So we go, we, we measure which city's closer to the corpse. And we go to the Bezdin, that city. And the, the Bezdin comes out to the place, to the, you know, the, to the valley, and they take an Eglar Rufa with all its halachos, and they say, right? We, we have no role in this. We send all of our guests out of town. You know, when they leave the town, we send all them off with proper. Uh, provisions and proper support. We make them feel, you know, we make them feel cared for, and it's not our responsibility. And they slaughter that glarufa, and that's the kapara. All right. Now, what happens if after they do this, we find the murderer? I mean, nine shein paishun. say, how do we know that just because there was a kapara uh, already done, we'll call it for the city? That this guy still is going to be chayav misa. Shenemarat says the arz vayichuper ladam shashufach ba v'gaimer. All right, meaning only the one who ultimately killed the person is the one who could bring the ultimate atonement. Why don't you need the pasuk by Eglarufa which says and you should clean the um, 
clean out the, the innocent blood, Mikir Becha, from your midst, from among you. How do you know that when somebody's Chayav Misa with Sayef, with being killed by the sword, how do you know that the, the place that he's killed is by the neck? How do you know you chop off his head? Maybe you stab him in the heart. How do you know where the Cherub is supposed to go? Talmud Laimar, just like the Agla Rufa. The way, where do you break? It's by the neck. So too, when somebody's high of death by Cherev, it has to be done from the neck. You're going to tell me that Mamish, you kill the person the same way you killed the Agla Rufa? That was done from the back of the neck using an axe. And we know that's not the way you kill with. Uh, that, we know that's not the way you kill with Saif, But if you're comparing the cases, go the whole way. Answer the Gemara. You have to kill him by the neck. However, once you're killing him by the neck, you have to kill him in a way where it's going to cause a quicker and easier type of death, less uh, less pain. And therefore, you're obligated to do it from the front of the neck. The pasuk says, anybody who's been set aside, who's been you know set aside from a person, so is not allowed to be redeemed. Rather, he's of misa. That again seems to be the same idea. That when somebody's high of Misa, you can't get out of it with money. But again, we already know that halacha. So what's the purpose of this Pasuk? Answers the Gemara, we need it for the following Lamud, for the following Brysom. If somebody's about to be taken out to the gallows, or taken out to be killed, however it is, and a guy says, I accept responsibility, whatever this guy's value is, I'm going to give it to the Beis HaMikdash. How do you know he didn't say anything? Okay. What do you mean he didn't say anything? It, 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 there's no basis for what he's saying. There's no basis for what he's saying. It's not, a, it's not a vow. So a guy's about to be killed. Somebody else says, I'll give the value of that. Is there a value to that person? No. He's, he's, he's dead in 30 seconds. You can't sell him for anything. There's no... And therefore... It's like you said, nothing. I would think it's even before the guy had a psak din to be killed. If a guy says, I'll give his value, you also don't need to pay anything. No. It has to be and from the person, but not from all humanity. Okay? So, is letting us know somebody who's going to come from the people. Now, if you're coming from the people, you're a little bit different. That means you're going to be, you're, you're being uh, paskined for Misa. Hence, you see from here, there's only going to be a pator, a non-obligation, when somebody makes an erich and vow, when the guy already had the gemar din, the psak. Says the gemar, uh, who says, who says that even if somebody's being uh, taken out, to be killed, you could make such a statement um, because it's not really about the state of life where the person's in. It's not a matter of whether he's going to be killed in a minute. 
But according to Rav Hanan ibn Akavah, the way you evaluate people is, are they male, female? Are they between the age of 20 or 25, 25, 30? And then you give a set value to each person, uh, to, to whatever the erechen is. Hi, kol cherem ayavadeh. What does he do with kol cherem? Right? Because according to him, this guy's a, call him a 52-year-old male. He's going to be a, a, a set price, no matter uh, whether or not he's uh, on his way to the gallows. He needs it for the following price. We find by those they could actually give money and it'll be serve as an atonement. When an atonement is put upon him, I would think it's true. Even when somebody's chayav misa b'day adam, that you could make a monetary payment to get off the hook. There's only about misa chaburos where we say their their it does not need a kapara. Misa is kalish nitlu shgazon lekapara minayin. How do I know that by a of misa that? Um, is uh, more kal, because if it would have been done unintentionally, there would be a kapara. How do you know there as well? Anytime there's a cherem. Anytime. If there's any cherem over here, the halacha is, mamon, money, is not going to help with redemption. Says the Gemara, um, uh, you, you don't know that the reason why money can't get out of you, the, the, the reason why money can't take the place of Misa, is because of the Pesach of Leisichu Kaifer. Leisichu Memayna Minei Vesiftere. Why don't we say, uh, the, uh, we explained it to mean, you shouldn't take money and get them off the hook for Misa. Meaning, you cannot pay your way out of this. And if we know that already, which Rebbe Hanam told us we know, Kol Cherem Lamali. Why do I need the pasuk of kol cherem? It teaches me the same thing. Answer the Gemara, Amr Rami Barchama, Itzrich. No, I need the pasuk of um, I need the pasuk of Rev Chananya Ben Akav of kol cherem and leisikhu kaifer. I need those psukim. Why? So I would have thought to say top of tomorrow's daf hani mili. Where do we say that when somebody's high of Misa, they, they do not pay money, they can't get out of it with money? That is Hecha the Harga Darachalia. That's if somebody killed on purpose with an upwards motion. Why? So there's a fascinating halacha. Let's read one more line to teach us the halacha. Ready for this? If you killed unintentionally, you don't go to an Irmikla if it was an upward motion. We learn out in Meseches Makis, you only go to an Irmikla. If you kill unintentionally in a downward motion, let me ask you a question. What happens if you kill unintentionally in an upwards motion? Are you going to go to an Irmikla? No. Are you going to be of Misa? No. So do you get a Kapara? No. You hear this? So I would say, where do we say that you can't take money to redeem Somebody who's high of Misa, that's when the guy who killed on purpose did an upwards motion, because anyway he wouldn't have a kapara if done unintentionally. But let's say you kill intentionally in a downward motion. Let's say you killed intentionally in a downward motion. Now you would go to an Eremiklet, if done unintentionally, you're going to go to exile. I would say that allow him to get off the hook if it's done in a downward motion. 
with money and get and uh, and he's not going to be chayiv misa. And therefore, the Torah lets us know that no matter what, according to Chaim Rekavya, anybody, anybody who has a psak din to be killed, to go ahead and pay in a way of kofar, in a way of atonement, is still not going to work. Okay. We'll hold it here. We'll hold it here. That's Rami Bar Chama's uh, approach. And Belshem on Matzi Shabbos will pick up with Rava challenging Rami Bar Chama's approach. We'll hold it here. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos.